And of course, I lived in a family where nobody talks about anything and they have always swept things under the rug. And if you don't like what is going on, you make up a story, you make up a lie, and then you believe your own lies. Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. Welcome to episode 53, and today I am speaking with Annette. Hi, Annette. Hi, Lily. Thank you for doing this today. It's a pleasure to be here. I just pulled up your blog. You sent it to me this summer. I had read it then, and I was rereading it today. You mentioned to me that this kind of was your form of therapy. Are you... Are you a writer? This is really well written. Um, I am actually. I write some. I write some profession. I write professionally as well as um, the blog is for me. I do use a pseudonym because um, I am a therapist, and I don't want my clients to worry about me. So I don't really give them access to all of my personal information, but it does enable me to express myself, which is really very helpful and has been very helpful through this whole experience. What is the name of this blog? Do you mind sharing that? I don't. It's Ancestry Discoveries. And the name of the writer on there is Alexandra A. Barry. And that's you. That's me. Oh, you're also a therapist. I am. I bet you are busy in our current world right now. Very busy. (laughs) Wonderful. I'm glad we have people like you. We need it. Why, thank you. I love what I do. Let's hear your story today. Uh, You know the format. Why don't you go ahead and start at the beginning and let me know what your original family was like. Okay. Well... Um, I went through years of therapy myself to reconcile my original family. I was closest with my dad as a young child, and um, he was my nurturing parent who always taught me to stand up for what I believe in. And I understand as an adult why my mom took a while you know, to warm up to me, I think. But eventually I would say that she made some peace within herself. And then somewhere we were, you know, really... We became the best of friends. She taught me a whole lot. They were both um, very awesome grandparents to my three kids. And then when all of this happened, I thought one of the best ways to really tell you about my original family was to tell you about their reactions to things. My oldest sister's response was, you know, well, how do you think I feel? The next one hasn't talked to me since my parents died because she has her own issues. My my other sister sang, love child never meant to be. She said, you're still talking to those people. She made 
negative references to me being Jewish because she's a little bit of a bigot. But she was also the same person who, as a child, used to threaten to take me to the cemetery and chain me to a gravestone if I didn't have if I didn't behave myself when she was babysitting. Mm-hmm. So she and the oldest of the family knew something about the situation, but decided to sweep it under the rug and then backpedal when it all came to light again. And I called them out on it. Mm-hmm. And then my brother who kind of left home from this whole situation, you know, pretty early on, he got away from all of us. He was really the only compassionate one. And I waited a whole year to tell him because I really had to reconcile this whole new situation within myself. And he made a whole lot of small talk like, oh, well, you know, please pass the spaghetti. And then he was, I think he kind of like went into shock and he said, I can't even imagine how you must feel. Like he just stopped dead in his tracks. Mm -hmm. And actually it was a pretty sweet surprise considering how the others reacted. Um, I never looked like anybody. I never looked like any of them. And then whenever um, I would do or say things, you know, or even the, the career path that I chose, people would habitually ask me, where on earth did you come from? As far as the rest of it, my dad plays, played Santa Claus and I was one of his elves. He was actually Santa Claus for 50 years and everybody always equated him with Santa Claus. And my parents were, yeah, they were both very giving people and I miss them every single day. My, yeah, my mom was a sharp, funny, witty businesswoman. She always worked outside the home and my dad was kind and funny and never had a bad word to say about anyone. And he was a very gentle soul. And I was born when my mom was in her 40s and bonded more with my parents than with my siblings. And for the most part, my siblings have habitually had parties and left my name off the guest list for most of my life. And I'm the youngest of five and described as a built-in babysitter. And I was called a spoiled brat. There was a lot of name calling going on. I believe that was because I was the last one to be born in a family with a mom who had her own emotional baggage to contend with. So my siblings were caretakers of sorts, and they really didn't belong in that role. Uh, My extended family has been very supportive through all of this. And not everyone knows, but um, a lot of them do. I haven't told everybody. My cousin on my dad's side still told he. What she said to me, I thought was very sweet, is it doesn't matter, you're still my cousin. Hmm. Yeah. When did your parents pass? Um, my dad died in 2002, and my mom died 18 months later in 2004. And I know we haven't gotten into it yet, but I'm assuming you never spoke with them about your DNA discovery? No, they, no. No. Nope. Nope. Okay, so how did you find out you were an NPE? Um, We were in Hawaii with a friend who found out she had a long-lost sister. And she asked me if I would go to lunch to meet her sister. And I said, of course, as she had just lost her wife, and I wanted to make sure uh, that this sister was not some charlatan trying to take advantage of her. So, yeah, so we all met in Tarpon Springs when we got back from Hawaii, and we had a wonderful day. 
she had a friend of hers with uh, along too. So there were a few of us together. And her new sister showed us how Ancestry worked. And two of the three of us went home and ordered our kits because we just thought it would be, you know, really fun. Let's do this. I was going, it'll be fun. Maybe I'll find a nice sister. I laughed, you know, and my friend said, yeah, you know, the rest of your sisters are are jerks. So maybe you would. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, Yeah. My cousin who works on genealogy actually told us that we had Native American blood originating somewhere up in Canada. And I knew very little about my dad's family, who was from Sweden and from uh, Canada. So I thought it would be fun. And because I love to travel, I thought maybe I could connect with my dad's family because I was really, I grew up around my mom's family. Um, I also didn't look like anyone. And I thought maybe my dark skin was from, Mm -hmm. you know, from somewhere else. Ha, like, uh, you know, Sicily and Italy and the Mediterranean blood that they forgot to tell me about. Oh. Yeah, but I digress. So, so I spit in the tube, and on April 7th, 2018, I received an email that told told me that my results were in. So I pulled up, you know, what, what my lineage was. I called up my one sister, and we because we reconnected for a short period of time, and I informed her that we were Italian and Jewish. And I told my brother-in-law the next call that I made, you know, that we were African-American because they're bigots. And I thought that would spice up their relationship a little bit. Yeah, I'm a little evil sometimes. Um, After I hung up, I looked at the list of family names and I saw my mom's family and then the names that were all Italian. And I didn't see my dad, you know, my dad's family on there at all. So I called Ancestry and had a very kind man on the other end of the phone who suggested I contact the second cousin who showed up on the list. So I don't know how, but he knew who I was looking at on this list. And I suddenly started to sob. I started to sob like a baby. And all I kept saying is, is I said, you mean the man that raised me is not my biological father? I was, I was pretty much inconsolable. And he just, he just said, you know, you might want to contact this man because I kept saying, this is a mistake. And to be honest with you, that there was so much of that time that was so much of a blur. And when I called my sister back, I begged her to take a DNA test and she wouldn't do it. And she still hasn't. And I thought, I just kept saying, this is a tragic mistake. And Mm -hmm. I was completely numb. And it was one of the deepest stages of grief that I can actually remember. And I felt like I lost my dad all over again. So I emailed the names on Ancestry, but they wouldn't answer. And then um, I contacted and connected with another third cousin who was very helpful and understanding. And I even had the wrong man pegged as my father. And then to my surprise, my biological father was 20 years younger than my mother. So my mother is a cougar. Wait, how... 20, how many years younger? 20 years younger. So I call up my niece to tell her, because she was like, you got to get another test by somewhere else, which I did. So she's going, go Nana, go Nana, which like didn't sit well with me, but I laughed, but I still wasn't, you know, I was still in shock. It was traumatic. Anyway, my sister suggests, yeah, my sister suggests that I contact my other sister who I hadn't talked to in years. And this was when I discovered that these two sisters had discovered a picture of this man named Barry, who my oldest sister actually met. You know, she was the one that said, how do you think I feel? 
She told the other sister she thought my mother had an affair with him and that he was my biological father because he used to come to the house. Mm. So once I saw the picture because she texted it to me, I stopped looking because I look I look so much like this man. And the one sister originally, she was telling me, told the other sister to throw the picture out. And of course, I lived in a family where nobody talks about anything, and they have always swept things under the rug. And if you don't like what is going on, you make up a story, you make up a lie, and then you believe your own lie. So that is, you know, that's the story from what I have heard from the other members of the family um, that was, it was swept under the rug and has since been denied. But uh, why would I make that story up? I mean, it was, that's the way it was told to me from my sister, you know, that this picture was found and she was told to throw it away. So then I did a 23andMe test and found a paternal aunt in her mid-80s. And I found another aunt and yet another who was a clinical social worker like me and was in the next town. And people used to tell me I had a twin in the next town who was also a social worker. And I used to laugh saying, ha ha, everybody has a twin. Now when people say that, I get a little triggered. Yeah. Oh, so, wow. yeah. Yeah. And then my sister was the last one that I reached out to. I was reaching out to everybody I could. She's seven years younger than me. And I think I was protecting her. She thought I was a telemarketer and didn't answer the phone. And then to my surprise, she called me when I was on my way to New Jersey. I was actually going through security at the airport. And um, while I was up there, I, I was going up on business. We had dinner. Um, and she said she didn't need a DNA test as she knew we were sisters the second she laid eyes on me. Yeah. And it was a strange and wonderful feeling to look into my own eyes. And I couldn't sleep. I didn't sleep not one wink that night. In fact, I had to drive back an hour and a half from where I was, from, you know, where I was back down to the Jersey Shore and then fly back the next morning to Florida. And my sister, my new sister has been one of the best experiences. And I can't even put that one into words. I have a baby sister. And yeah, and two of my three kids met her and her husband in person. And my other son met her virtually. My daughter met my aunts and my sister and my cousins. And it's really been hard with the pandemic because I've been trying to like connect with them over the past two years. And now I can't travel and spend the time I would like to spend to continue to get to know, you know, where I came from in this uh, family that I never ha had the opportunity to know because I didn't know about them. And how did your sister find out about your existence? Was this from the 23andMe test? No, actually, apparently one of the aunts called my brother, you know, who doesn't, he refuses to, you know, I've never spoken to him, my new brother. And he apparently, I guess his wife had said, if you don't tell your sister and she finds out somewhere else, she's going to be very angry that you didn't tell her. So he forwarded her the email because he was the first person that I actually reached out to. He forwarded her the email and she called me the exact same day. So one of your new siblings you've connected with, quite beautifully it sounds, but you yes. also have... This, this half-brother who you aren't communicating with. Correct. He ref Actually, I've tried communicating with him a few times, but he just, he won't, he won't answer me. But, you know, I think that that's, that's pretty common. Yes, it is common. It's not fair, but it is common mm -hmm. from what I'm hearing. 
Yeah, and there's varying degrees, varying reasons for it, I'm sure. I think that, I think, I don't know what the reason is in his case. You know, there's only a whole lot of speculation that goes on there. Yeah, yes, same. I, same. I also have a, I'm similar situation. I have a half brother who hasn't responded, but, but yeah, he, so he passed along the information to your, your newfound sister and congratulations. Thank you. um, That, that is a, it sounds like a happy part of your your story. Now, how do you think or do you think your I guess it would be called birth certificate father knew that you had a different biological father? I do. I oh. do. I I believe that he knew, you know, for whatever reason that resonates with me. Okay. And um First of all, I look so much like my biological father. I, I think that my dad probably was very good at going into denial about it in, or in and out of denial. There were times I, I go, I, my, I, my brain keeps going back to my college graduation when he didn't behave like himself at all. He, his behavior was a little erratic. And the only thing I could think of is that my biological father knew about my graduation and may have been in the vicinity and that my father was reacting to that. And I believe that there, I mean, this is only, this is really only I'm guessing because I don't know, you know, and just from some of the the shows that are now out where there's MPEs in those shows, you know, from watching them, I believe there is a degree of fear that goes into the birth certificate father believing that they might lose their child. You know, that there's a, a degree of fear in that. And my dad, I was very close out of everybody in the whole family. He's the one that I was the closest to. Mm. Yes, you called him a gentle soul. He was he played Santa Claus every year. You, yes. You and I was his that. elf. I was his elf. Oh, isn't that sweet? And I was the last one to kiss him goodbye when he died. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Now, what about your biological father is he alive uh unfortunately no so i don't really i never you know i didn't have a conscious discussion with him that i am truly aware of um but you did read i'm sure you read the man in the mall on my blog um or at least glanced at it and saw the title but when i was yeah explain this what explain this now um it's a little creepy, um, but <laughs> but I did tell this story when the first time I ever did a, a workshop on NPEs, and everybody in the room was kind of silent. And um, I was in the mall; it was Christmas time, and my boss actually remembers the story because we're friends on Facebook. And I said, "You remember that guy in the mall?" And he said, "Yes, yes." Anyway, I was working in the mall. And it was Christmas time and it was our first Christmas uh, in this particular office. And I had the opportunity, I offered it because I wanted to do it. I love doing creative things to decorate the window. And I put snow and I had all of these dolls. My mom used to collect dolls for me. So I was putting dolls of um, around the world because it was a travel, a travel company. And there's a man staring at me. He's a pretty nice looking man um, staring at me. 
and he just kept staring and staring. So, and he drew so much attention to himself that my boss and his wife, you know, were up in arms going, who is that guy staring? And because it was a new business and I had left one uh, office to go and work for another one, they thought maybe he was, you know, trying to recruit me to go work for his office because that's the way it kind of was at that time. People were recruiting. If you, if you worked in the travel business, people were recruiting you all the time. Mm. You know, especially if you knew how to work an airline computer. Mm-hmm. So there I was, I was working away and they were really like back and forth till finally, you know, all of a sudden it's like I looked up and I see this guy staring at me and he's just got this very far away look staring. So they were, you know, who is he? Blah, blah. They just kept staring, staring, staring. So finally I kind of made my way through the mall because I didn't care. And he didn't, he was creepy enough, but it, it didn't feel like he was, you know, I didn't get like he was sexually interested in me at all. He was just staring. So I went through the mall. It was kind of crowded. I went through the mall and I approached him and I said, do you like it? Cause I figured, well, here's my chance. What, you know, what was I 20, 21 years old? I wanted to see if he liked my window. It was the first window I ever really, you know, put together. And he, the man said to me, I like everything you do. And that was all he said. And he didn't look at me in the face. He didn't say anything else. And it was like, Oh, okay. And and I don't remember too much of anything after that. I just remember very much in the beginning of all of this that that memory popped into my head just before I was falling asleep. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I bet that was him. And he actually didn't live too far from where I was working. So do you think that was him now that you've seen his picture? Uh, yeah. And actually, my sister said that sounds like something he would say. Oh. Yeah. He wanted to see you. Yeah, but he never really, he never told me who he was. You know, for whatever reason, they handled it the way that they handled it. And I'm sure that it was, you know, it, it was in everyone's best interest and especially mine. Did your parents stay together? Yes. Okay. Yep, they were married over 60 years when they, you know, when they died. Oh, wow. Yeah. And now today... I know you have your blog, you have your forms of therapy. It's been a couple years. You have this beautiful new relationship with your half-sister. And you're a therapist, so you have a skill set that many people don't have. Mm -hmm. But what would you say to a new NPE? What, What has been helpful for you with your healing? I would say absolutely some form of therapy and support. You know, from, I mean, the, I have followed a number of groups online in terms of support groups. I called my original therapist as soon as I found out, in fact, and talked with her actually more than once because we had, we're trying to figure out, put the, you know, put all the pieces together with my mother to say what was going on. So this put all, this put so many pieces of a puzzle together for me. Um, so somebody new going through this, I would say get yourself some support. Absolutely get yourself a therapist Yes. Uh, to deal with. And there's a lot of trauma and everybody has their own, um, their own way of going through that grief. There's a lot of grief and a lot of trauma attached to this. Um, but the thing is, is if, if you find that you're going through a lot of grief, 
remember that you have that grief because you have you have had a whole lot of love to some degree. You know, and whether that is love that's present or was present at one time and recognize that for what it is, or even if you're grieving the fact that you didn't have love, like recognize that that's the other side of the grief is love. And that you never get over it, you know, and when those people say that to you, it's almost like you have to push it off and say, yeah, right, you too. (laughs) And how's that working for you? You never get over it, but you get through it. It just takes a lot of time. And a lot of work. And if you, if you push it in and you go, oh, this doesn't bother me, you know, tell somebody who really believes that because I don't believe that. And I, d- I think that um, people who tell themselves it doesn't bother me, you know, for whatever reason, I believe that's denial. And at some point, I hope that you get to, you know, you have the opportunity to really work through it. Yeah, I hope so. Be, yeah, and I would also say be really mindful of substances because if one glass of wine leads to two glasses of wine or three glasses of wine. And if you already have issues with substances, it could lead you into a really dark place. And you, you may want to, you know, because trauma in the beginning, you're very numb. Sometimes it's sometimes people prefer to stay numb and you don't want to stay numb. There's a part of feeling these feelings that you just need to go through, however uncomfortable they are. I'm, I'm assuming that one, two, three glasses of wine numbing it, you're still going to have these emotions come out sideways. Yes. And there will, there will be people who, who are supportive. And if you can't find it within you know, the people that are around you, there are people, there are support groups that you can sign on to. There's plenty on Facebook. There's plenty, you know, there's plenty of therapists now out there who understand. Um, it's, if, if it's 10% of the population, or that's the estimate, 10% of the population, um, you know, it's going to be something that's up and coming. There's going to be more and more people that are um, coming out of the closet and are willing to talk about it, you know, so that you too can tell your story. I would say too, one of the, the biggest blessings for me has been writing, you know, to write letters. I found the last blog that I wrote, I wrote to my mother, which was really difficult for me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that there's more of those coming. And I was told already because there's a book in the making that I need to be writing more blogs. So those will be coming out weekly now, but you know, that I need to be writing more of those blogs and need to be coming out um, more frequently. But I have found that that's been extremely therapeutic. Writing letters to whoever you need to write letters to, never mailing those letters. And I, you know, would say don't ever mail those letters, but certainly write those letters and don't ever give up on yourself. I have some of those letters you speak of on my computer. They have not been sent, but they have been written. And it was helpful to write them down. Yeah. And in my show notes, I will put ancestrydiscoveries.com. But -hmm. if people wanted to reach out to you, if they want to contact you, how could they do that? Um, They can certainly, you can, um, my email address is Annette, A-N-N-E-T-T-E-L-B as in boy, E-C-K-L-U-N-D at gmail.com. You can also go to the uh, website, AncestryDiscoveries.com, and there's a place there where you, you can, I made sure there's a contact piece in there, so you can certainly send me a note through that. Um, 
And I think that those are probably the best ways to get in touch with me. Wonderful. I'll put those in the description as well. If anyone wants to refer to those, go ahead. No, I did also, I, I, I wanted, I do have um, an article that's out on um, In Session, which is a um, published for therapists. On what, the is, end, what is this called? It's called In Session. And actually, oh, I get it. In yeah, Session. In okay. Session, right. It's for um, the Florida Group of Mental Health Therapists. And um, I actually have published some things on autism as well, because that's really my specialty. And I do have for um, anxiety, which I have to share this piece. I hope you don't mind. Go right ahead. Um, I have an article that was recently accepted by the Journal of Integrative Medicine on the use of weighted blankets for anxiety. I love a weighted blanket. Yes. Well, we, um, I did some research on it with some colleagues of mine, and that should be coming out. I don't know when it'll be out in printed form, but it was recently accepted by the Journal of Integrative Medicine. So we are thrilled about that one. Well, thank you for your research and for all that you're doing for the mental health world and the autism world. And also thank you for sharing your personal story with me today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here, Lily. Thanks again to Annette for sharing today. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE that would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come, heal with us.